Andy doesn't know this, but really it was Shannon that we were interested in meeting. She's wonderful, and uh, she's done a good job raising Andy, don't you think? We're going to be looking at Psalm 46 this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, you can take those out and turn there, or you will find the Scripture in the app, as Andy said. Let me pray. Father God, we ask today that you would guide our time together, that you would bring forward those things from your Word that we need to hear, and that you would help to massage and soothe our hearts where they're hurting and spur us on where we need to take action. May your Holy Spirit superintend this time in the name of Christ. Amen. Anybody have any experience with trouble? Anybody have trouble with trouble? You know, you don't have to look far, do you, to find trouble? Sometimes you find it, right? I found trouble when I was 12 years old. We had a go-kart that was my brother's, and I was forbidden from driving that go-kart without his permission. But it just was an irresistible temptation. So one day I opened the garage door, I took the golf cart out, I started it, and I took it down the gravel road in front of our house. That go-kart would do a 180 on the gravel if you turned it to the right and you'd go back in the other direction. If you turned that go-kart to the left, you'd end up in the ditch. Well, I turned it to the left and I ended up in the ditch. And this had an old Briggs and Stratton engine on it, which meant you had a rope that you had to wind around the crank, and then you would pull it. And then you would wind it, and you would pull it. And this thing was completely stalled. It would not start. I wrapped and pulled, wrapped and pulled, wrapped and pulled. If I had known any swear words at the age of 12, I would have used them. And I finally, I wrapped and pulled, and then I thought, I'll pray. And so I said, Lord, I will serve you with the rest of my life. I'll do whatever you ask if you'll only allow this engine to start so my brother doesn't find out I took it. And I wrapped it and I pulled it and it started. So here I am. <laughs> it's not my fault I'm here today. One day when our youngest daughter was preschool age, she was pushing Annie to the limit. And Annie was threatening to form a discipline that wasn't to our daughter's liking. Our daughter, as she was about to uh, be disciplined, cried out, Jesus, help me. She was about three years old. She knew where to turn when trouble came her way. Trouble finds us, or we find trouble. It comes through natural disaster or man-made tragedy. In March of this year, vicious tornadoes twisted through Kentucky. The threat of wildfires continue to increase around us. The war in Ukraine rages. The, the shooting in Texas this week was a stark reminder of man-made tragedy. Our minds are numb. Our hearts are bruised. Our minds, our emotions are pierced with images. Fear and anxiety can easily consume our daily life in these days. Where do we go? Who can we turn to? What can we do as fear and anxiety rise within us and around us? When trouble finds me, when it invades my thoughts, when it preoccupies my mind, takes over every news outlet and is splattered across social media, I often turn to the Psalms. The Psalms were the hymnal 
of the people of Israel and the early church. They cover almost every dilemma of life. The psalmist knows our problems, and he knows us. He knows our street and our job. He knows our family and our neighbors, our frustrations, our goals, our strengths, our weaknesses. He knows our nation and our world. They're as relevant today as they were when they were written. A psalm that's been helpful to me when fear and anxiety creep up and want to overwhelm me is Psalm 46. This psalm was written in the midst of a dramatic and a traumatic time in the life of the psalmist. The psalmist feels life shaking. Everything around him is changing. So many things that were certain are now uncertain. One natural response to uncertainty, to everything changing, is fear. You've experienced it. You know what it's like. Fear is good when it protects us. There are things we should be afraid of. Fear, if it paralyzes us, is bad. Some people deny their fear. But denial only complicates fear and can lead to withdrawal. It can lead to substance abuse. It can lead to other means of harm. Other people run from their fear only to find that they run into more things to fear. And some determine to face their fear. The psalmist determined to face his fear. Look at the first three verses of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, ever-present help. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, things that are unimaginable, things that are threatening to life. The psalmist sees trouble, but he refuses to let fear prevail. When trouble finds us, don't be afraid. We have a refuge. When I think of a refuge, I'm reminded of my childhood home back in the Midwest. In the Midwest, you know that we have tornadoes. My childhood home had a basement. Basements were often built because we had tornadoes. It was a shelter in a time of storm. If a weather warning was issued, if there was a storm that was unleashing its fury around our little town, and we heard the siren go off on Main Street, we went down into the basement and we huddled in a corner as a family, knowing that if a tornado passed over or took parts of our house, we were more than likely safe. Now, that basement was a scary as well because you had to go down the steps and under the steps, it was open and it was dark and it was filled with cobwebs and it's where monsters lived. The weird woman lived there, the box monster, the boogeyman. I'm telling you, as a kid, I did not like going down those steps. But it was a shelter in a time of storm. It was our refuge Knowing that we have a refuge dispels fear. It can bring great comfort to our lives. What would it be like to have no fear? You may remember the No Fear brand. Beginning in Carlsbad in 1989, No Fear 
create, was created to challenge people to perform beyond the limits of their expectations. Sounds like a noble cause. No Fear printed their logos on t-shirts and athletic gear. It was advertised as an attitude you could wear. And with this creative approach, No Fear became a leading brand in sportswear. The No Fear attitude included these little bits of wisdom. You've probably heard them. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's not the pace of life that concerns me. It's the sudden stop at the end. Victory never comes to those who fear losing. And this, absolutely, positively, without a doubt, no fear. Unfortunately, no fear did not fear filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And the founders lost the business. No fear also developed an energy drink. But you cannot get rid of your fear by wearing the right athletic gear or drinking an energy drink, can you? The way to address fear is to find someone who can help you. The psalmist affirms God as an ever-present help in time of trouble. The psalmist was in dire straits. He was deeply distressed. There was an emotional tension, a spiritual turmoil, a physical threat that he was facing. But he was not going to allow fear to prevail. Reflecting on Memorial Day this weekend, I couldn't help but remember a friend of mine that I met over 20 years ago. He's passed away now, but Bob was a World War II vet. He was a man who discovered where to find refuge in troubling times. He wrote this regarding his experience in the war. Just before dark, we made it across several rice paddies into a grove of trees and back to our outfit. That day, I experienced battle fatigue more than at any other time. Although our position was being shelled, I dug a foxhole, crawled in, and told God that I couldn't do this on my own, and I wanted to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. He writes, I immediately fell asleep and did not awaken until someone shook me. January 2030, he said, 1945, became my birthday as a follower of Jesus. The place to start in facing fear is in the person of Jesus Christ by expressing faith in him and the work that he's accomplished to forgive sin and set us free so that we might not only have joy in this life but have eternal life beginning now. Bob knew that a foxhole was not enough to save him. He found a refuge when he faced severe fatigue and free, and that refuge was Jesus Christ. No matter when or where you are when you call out to God, he's refuge and strength. You're never too far from him for him to hear your cry for help. He is a mighty help in distress. Now, the trouble you face may not disappear when you cry out to God. God does not necessarily remove trouble from our life, but he does promise this, that he can still the thoughts of a troubled mind, that he can ease the anxiety of a storm-shattered heart. He promises that he can give us joy in the midst of turmoil. Someone define joy this way. 
They said, joy is a deep sense of satisfaction in your circumstances, no matter what your circumstances might be. God provides that kind of joy in life, a deep sense of satisfaction in your circumstances, no matter what those circumstances may be. He is our refuge and strength. Consider the next four verses in Psalm 46. There is a river whose stream, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. When trouble finds us, don't be afraid. We have a source of security. Jerusalem was not built on a river like many other cities in antiquity. It was built on rock. Hezekiah brought water into the city through a series of canals that were built. Access to water lessened the city's vulnerability if it faced an attack. Water created greater security for the city in a time of war, a time of trouble. While a literal, a literal river provided physical security, Jerusalem saw their protective river as the power of God. God would rescue her from her dark day of trouble. At the break of day, he would come in and save them. Trouble seems more severe at night, at least for me. If I'm afraid of something, if my heart is anxious about something, when it gets dark, when I'm laying in bed, everything seems like it's magnified. The psalmist reminds us that when our fears are at their darkest, dawn is coming. The sun is going to rise in the morning. God will come in at the break of day and rescue us. Consider Jesus' disciples after he was crucified. They scattered. They were fear-filled. Confusion reigned. Now what? They had given up everything, and now they had lost everything, including the hope of a great future. The day following Jesus' death had to be a dark day for Jesus' followers. They could never imagine what Sunday morning would bring. Resurrection was beyond their capacity to imagine, as it would be ours. The psalmist offers hope. God will not fail. His city, his people will not be moved. When daybreak comes, God will be their help. The psalmist was experiencing a dark Friday and echoes the hope that help will come at daybreak. On Sunday, there will be resurrection. New life, hope. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. He is that river. He is our river of life providing security and hope when fear and anxiety seem to prevail. Who is the source of life and security? Where does fear find itself defeated by peace? What can turn an anxious heart toward hope? The Apostle Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 8. You may be very familiar with them. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine famine or nakedness or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul said, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? God provided a way for us to have hope when trouble comes. Trouble will come, but knowing God has secured our position through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who now intercedes in our behalf and can bring peace to a troubled heart. In the last four verses of this psalm, we read these words, "'Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth.'" He makes wars cease and ends to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When I was a kid, our family used to go tent camping. It's the reason as an adult I don't go camping. One hot summer night in July, we had set up our campsite. We put up our old canvas tent. And about midnight, the wind started howling. The rain started coming down in torrents. Tree limbs were breaking. Lightning was flashing. Thunder was booming. We thought we were going to die. That sunrise would never be seen by us. Now, my mom always told me as a kid, nothing good happens after midnight. This was the only time I believed she was right. My cousin Sandra, who was with us, cried out at the peak of this storm, God, help us. I didn't know her to be a religious person until then. She knew where to cry for help. Man's efforts at calming the storms of life and anxiety are a bit like an old canvas tent, aren't they? In the storm, we need a fortress, not a tent. God is our fortress. Fortress is a good, strong word. It's reassuring. Look what the Lord has done and what he will do. The psalmist said, come and see the works of the Lord. The psalmist then gives us a directive from God in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now that is counterintuitive to what we want to do when we face fear and anxiety. It's very difficult to be still and know that he is God. Another translation puts that phrase this way, desist and learn that I am God. Now, you've heard the phrase cease and desist. A cease and desist order is a cautionary letter sent to an alleged wrongdoer describing the alleged misconduct and demanding that the alleged misconduct be stopped. God, through the psalmist, is ordering us to cease and desist. Cease and desist what? Perhaps cease and desist our need to be in control, to do something. Perhaps what we fear when trouble comes is that we are not in control of the events around us. Trouble reminds us we cannot manipulate events, we cannot make things to our preference, we cannot manage other people's lives to our satisfaction. 
From the time I was in fifth grade till I was 23, there was always a mini bike or a motorcycle in my possession. I loved riding motorcycle. After Annie and I married, the motorcycle mysteriously turned into a dining room set. Twenty years later, after selling my bike, a friend asked me to ride on the back of his bike, bike for an event that he was going to that was a fundraiser. I said, Harry, there's no way I'm sitting on the back of that motorcycle with you. You see, once you're in control of a motorcycle, it's almost impossible to sit behind someone else and not be in control of the motorcycle. I like to have my hands on the controls of a motorcycle, of my life, of the people around me, of the events and circumstances of life. And there are times we need to take control, but there are times our hands-on approach to life circumstances would be better served by a hands-off approach. So when trouble comes, I want to do something. I'm a fixer. I'm a problem solver. A situation arises and I think, let's do something because doing something is better than doing nothing. But there are times when God says to us, don't do anything. Would you just stand there? Would you just stay there? Would you just sit there? Be still and know that I am God. Cease and desist. Don't meddle, don't manipulate, don't politic, don't scheme. Rest in God and his sovereignty over everything. Someone described rest this way. Rest is a release from the burden of the need to do something. Rest is a release from the burden of the need to do something. Rest is not something we do. It is something that comes when we cease to do. Troubling times come. Storms swirl around us in life. Fear is real. You can deny it. You can attempt to run from it, or you can face it. The psalmist faces his fear. He confronts it with the reminder that God is our refuge, our source of security, our fortress. When you are facing fear, just a few thoughts on what might be helpful. Facing fear begins with acknowledging that God gave his son to die for our sins so we could be reconciled to a right relationship with him. You might be here this morning and you've never considered or you've considered but not acted upon the call of God in your life to respond in faith to the person of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Facing fear necessitates that we allow Jesus Christ to be the point of focus in our life. If you haven't prayed that prayer, when we have a prayer team here in front, they would be glad to help you follow Jesus this morning. Practical helps for facing fear. Pray, be still. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Read the Bible when you're facing fear over 300 times. The Bible encourages us, tells us not to be afraid, to fear not. 
John, Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Seek to live in community with others. We are not meant to live life alone. When we face fear, we need people around us. We need to verbalize that fear to a friend or a group of friends that can carry that burden with us as we're commanded in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And then focus. Again, in Philippians chapter 4, 8, and 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't focus on the fear. Focus on those things we're encouraged to think about. Whatever you have learned, Paul said, or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? Lord God Almighty, you alone are sovereign ruler. You are the one who sustains life, the one who holds the planets in place, the one who sees past, present, and future the one who creates life in the womb, the one who knows us from before time, the one who numbers the hairs on our heads. You are great and mighty, gentle and merciful. There's no one, nothing to be worshiped in comparison to your deeds. You are rock and refuge. You are a source of security in our fortress. And so help us today. Grant us freedom from disabling fear and anxiety. Grant us peace in the face of natural disaster. Grant us strength and comfort in the face of man-made tragedies. We pray for those who are suffering loss, loss of life, loss of home, loss of income, health, relationship, a loss of hope. Help each of us to be still and know to cease and desist so we can hear your voice, so we can engage with others, so we can hear of your love and your pardon and your hope. And we pray for peace. We pray that violence would come to an end and that stillness and peace would prevail. That men, women, and children will be able to go to bed at night without fear and will be able to wake up in the morning confident in your strength. We pray for the church in the United States, that it would be a lighthouse for people whose lives are in danger of being dashed against the sharp rocks of life. Help us to be a guide for those who are seeking a refuge for those who are struggling, a place of comfort for those who are in sorrow, a source of direction for those who are wandering, and a source of hope for those who are despairing. And more than that, we pray that your church would be a place of fulfillment for those who wish to serve, a place of satisfaction for those who seek to give, a place of enrichment for those who want to learn, a place of witness for those who wish to share, and a place of companionship for those who wish to be friends. Father God, we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, if you're carrying a burden, if you're troubled and you want somebody to pray with you, you want to share that load, our prayer team will be here and be glad to pray with you. If you've prayed the prayer to accept Jesus Christ, we would ask you to come and share that with someone down here this morning as well. And so now as you go, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Go in peace.